0: Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast for spiritual seekers and lurkers, the respectfully curious and the pursuers of their passion, hosted by Melanie Dawn, Jen Anderson, and Tanya Ryan.
1: Mm. Hi guys, it's Melanie here, and we put out the vibe to ask for what you guys want to talk about, and we got quite a few comments back, most of it having to do with relationships, uh, intimate, platonic, all the relationships. But one of the ones that we just got that really struck a chord to be a total nerd with us is is, um, cutting cords and and how to know when to end friendships or relationships. Um, Cutting cords with people you outgrow and knowing when to do that was the exact question that we got. And we all felt like a strong desire to weigh in on it. And I actually myself really wanted to ask, because I have been through this over the last... Couple years actually is outgrowing relationships and um really not having maybe the best exits for myself is that I didn't speak up, I didn't voice what I needed to in the time, and then it always comes into more of like a dramatic exit than it could have been just a gentle parting. So, I'm curious, Tanya and Jen. What do you do when a relationship is maybe crossing some boundaries or turning into um, not the healthiest? Even sometimes I notice that there are good people, nice people, but they just drain your energy. <laughs> I totally agree. You guys ever, y- yeah. Yeah. That's the hardest one because
0: you're sitting it there is. going like, okay, this is a, it's usually this is a, family, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is a me problem. So how do I reconcile this? Um, okay. So I had this, uh, this really interesting concept pop pop up recently. So this is why I wanted to plug this in just because I thought that the idea of this was so cool. And I'm going to try so hard to reiterate what she said because I understood it, but anytime I try to explain it back, I don't do a great job, but she kind of said that, um, she basically said that the concept or the use of the term toxic people like referring to someone as toxic or feeling like you have to cut them out because they're toxic she said it's a spiritually immature concept and that immediately pulled at me because I was like okay yeah because there's always been that I've always felt like calling someone toxic was kind of a cop-out and we've had lots of chats right like about narcissists and all this stuff and so I was like okay like tell me more and so what she said is that there are people that you will just not have the spiritual maturity and it could be yet, like you could grow into that place, but there are people where you at this time do not have the spiritual maturity to digest. And I love, I loved the way she said it, like, as in just being around them is difficult for you to digest. So you might create space between them. But instead of referring to that person as toxic or like the problem or whatever, it's kind of going, I do not at this time have the whatever faculties, resources, um, whatever I need in me to manage um, that relationship with peace and ease. And I mean, I'm sure that there's like we have extenuating circumstances for abuse and
2: for Yes. Um, Full disclaimer. This doesn't really fall into that. I feel like. No, right. Like,
0: like, and sociopaths, psychopaths, like when we're actually dealing with disorders, like let's like, like let's put those in the outliers for, for our conversation, we're dealing with most people of everyday life. Um, and I thought that was just such an interesting concept and then much more empowering, right? Because then it's not that the other person is toxic. Therefore we have no choice, but to cut them out. It's actually going, okay, what kind of shifting is it possible for me to make that would make digesting this person more peaceful? Mm -hmm. I just thought that was really interesting.
1: You know, so to weigh in on toxic, I I used to be like, oh, I loved the word about eight years ago. I loved throwing it around. It made me feel so powerful, but um, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> it really did, because uh, for anything, right? Oh, they're toxic. You know, it's um, and I think this is coming up a lot in our culture right now. Is this cancel culture? Is okay? This person's triggering me in some way. And then I think that's where that emotional maturity or emotional resilience comes in is that this person is triggering me, and I notice for myself, and I'm not saying that this is for everyone, but if that person is getting under my skin, it's an aspect of myself that I have been ashamed of in the past or currently ashamed of, and I'm repressing or refusing. And so when they do it, it really speaks loudly to me, and I get so caught up in my nervous system reacting to them that I can't even see that this is an opportunity to outgrow that trigger to heal that trigger. So for me if I want to if my brain's like that person's toxic I'm like oh what <laughs> you know I go in and I'm like what am I resisting inside of this person? What have I not yet come to fully accept about myself?
2: I agree. I I, uh, I had a thing and then I lost it. So Jengo. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's just so many different scenarios that you could look at this from like one, this has been a theme so much this past week of I had some really beautiful friendships in the past that I still view as friendships, to be honest, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to want to talk to them on a regular basis or hang out with them or like the effort is just different in the friendship. And it's not because they're less than me or I'm better than them or there's just we're in different seasons of our own life journey and so it doesn't for me I would be like oh I can't hang out with them because I feel shitty when I hang out with them but then just realizing like there's just different priorities in our lives right now and that's okay that doesn't make either of us better or worse in any form
0: I I remembered and it branches off of kind of what you're saying too. So it's just an analogy for those types of people, (laughs) instead of referring to them as like toxic or like a problem or whatever, um, seeing them as like weightlifting opportunities. So we have people in our lives who we like align with and we, um, you know, it's just easy and whatever. Um, but then there's people who are like, our spiritual emotional gyms where like they're the trainers and they come in and they put resistance there so that that is something that we we get to practice so I you know and we have different levels of these people right because some people just push a little as in you're like I'm uncomfortable around this person or this person doesn't I like I feel insecure or I notice like whatever these traits kind of pop up and then you'll be around someone else who it's like oh that irritates me. Like that person irritates me and it's like bigger feelings. And then you get around someone who you can almost not tolerate. So then it's like, I just feel like they're different. Like you don't go to the gym and deadlift 300 pounds your first day. So you're going to have these people who are kind of like the 45 pounds. Let's, let's deadlift 45, 65 pounds. Okay, sure. Something like that. And you're going to grow into a place where all of a sudden you can go and deadlift that 300 pounds. So I'm trying to see those people that just kind of like rub on me or like kind of push or offer that resistance in me as an opportunity to train for the people who I really don't like to be around.
2: (laughs) I think that's a great analogy. And I think too, the more work we do on ourselves, the less anybody triggers us. Right. And so that sounds like really superficial, but I've really noticed it Mm -hmm. not to say that we're never going to get triggered. We just get, we just don't react. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's been really fascinating for me the last couple of weeks of being triggered, like slap, 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 slap. And I'm just like, enough with the triggers. Like, can you just give me a second? Because I feel like it had been a while (laughs) since I've been triggered. So like, I don't feel as strong if you use the gym analogy to like work through these as quickly. So like, I need to step back, which actually has nothing to do with the other person. It is all to do with me.
0: And I think that's like, something I've had to do a lot of self-forgiveness around is like taking step backs from relationships, not because it's like bitter or even passive aggressive or whatever, but just taking a step back going, I can't show up in this in the, like in a way that's nurturing this relationship. So I need to just withdraw a bit so that I can. Yeah. Like maybe it is like a rest day. Sorry. Can I just like keep pushing this analogy like to the, to the top? Um, I can kind of keep, and then I think there's actually, sorry, I'm really running with this analogy. I think that Olympian athletes do something where they, they do that, where they back off their training to a degree, like like a quite severe degree. And they actually go way down in their weight training or way down in their Like everything goes down for a while. And that actually then can actually push them up into a a greater space. There's something to that. I used to know that. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's It's like a
2: dip low before you grow.
0: Yeah. Let's do that. Mm -hmm. I think it's maybe it's like the, okay, sorry. I'm like the analogy queen today. Maybe it's something like pulling back a slingshot, right? Like, so it looks like withdrawal, but it's just so that you have more power moving forward or something. And what does
1: that look like for you guys in reality? Like, how do you communicate that to the relationship? And, and like, I'd love to hear honestly, if you guys do do it in a healthy way, or if you do avoid it, um, both. You know, that's what that's yeah. really what I'm looking for. <laughs> never, it's never one. It's always all of
2: it. <laughs> um it depends on the situation. I definitely will avoid some things, but I think sometimes
1: does, I it, just, does it sit with you, Jen, if you do avoid it? Does it bring it around in your head? Yeah.
2: And so like I avoid in a different way. If I look back to like even a couple of years ago, I avoided and I had such like harsh boundaries around anybody I felt that was coming into a boundary i had created, or like even like kind of pushing against it, I would overreact the other way. Like it was ridiculous. And now (laughs) I find, I just try to give myself so much space and tell myself time doesn't matter. Just just allow myself to process it because I always come back around to like a really loving space with it. Typically doesn't mean that I'm going to be with them all the time, but I do always want to leave a relationship in a happy wait like I don't want it there to be any bitter anger and so I will retract if I find that I'm in a wounded space with it and then I'll come back to it and just send love
1: would the word be instead of happy would it be unresolved and to resolve it yeah because I don't feel like any of the relationships that I've closed in the last few years have left on a happy note but I have felt like they've been resolved where I've said my piece and I've said why, um, whether it was taken with uh, ears of the heart or not, but um, I've always felt resolved. And this is just like popping up for me lately to see, could I have done more? What about you, Tanya? Uh, I would say I
0: definitely don't it kind of depends like I feel like I'm letting myself learn this right now. So I definitely have a couple of relationships where it's been unresolved and I kind of look at it and go, "Okay, well, where where could that have been shifted? And then another thing I'm really um, grappling with as far as like finding like my truth within it is when am I like avoiding a conversation out of like fear of discomfort or fear? or whatever, for those reasons, versus kind of asking, but is that question, or is that conversation, like facing that uncomfortable conversation, is that going to create resolve or not? Like, it's basically like, where is the resolve in this? And so sometimes I I struggle to identify that. Like, I struggle to go, okay, if I do face this conversation or speak my truth here, what's like my real intention behind doing that. And sometimes if it's like to like, oh, I just want to be heard or I want to feel understood or whatever. If the person on the other end of that conversation isn't in a place where they can understand or be able to like sit with that perspective or whatever, then probably it's going to end with me still feeling frustrated and like unresolved, right? Because, and then you will have had a difficult conversation without any resolve. And then sometimes I'm like, well, what, does that accomplish anything really? Or are you actually putting more injury, more separation in the relationship because that person now is just feeling uh, aggravated by the fact that you've just pointed out again that there's still like a disconnect or there's still something going on or whatever. So I that's something I've really been struggling with is like, when mm-hmm. are those conversations actually doing something versus when they're not? And then, so I have been doing a lot of like self oriented work, like kind of working to find that peace within myself, working to find self-validation. My banner statement on the back of my door right now is I am, I am capable of living with the discomfort of being misunderstood. And that is like kind of what I'm working on for resolve and peace is finding, I guess, my own connection to like validation. And I think validation is
2: huge because I think a lot of, and and we don't get it at all. It is about us trying to validate that we're right, or we're better, or we're, I think it is just like such a validation. And so I look at resolve as resolve in my own heart doesn't mean that we are going to have any conversations to be perfectly honest, because lots of times that isn't (laughs) like the especially with right now, I find this coming up so much Mm -hmm. is that there isn't, there's no point in me saying what my boundary is or what my belief is in any of it. Because it's not, it's not a conversation. I don't need them to validate how I feel about something. And I think that's the truth of it.
1: I love that. And I wish I could do that. (laughs) I think that my value of truth if i have an issue or if there's something that needs to be resolved um the peacekeeper within me because i am uh, innately uh you know wanting to keep the peace that's the family i grew up in um and so i let people cross my boundaries uh i let them dip a toe into my boundaries And then it comes to a breaking point where I feel like I've been trespassed against. And then it's like, this is where the, my truth has to come through. And I don't ever regret anything that I say, but when I don't say anything is when I do regret it, is that it lives within me then. So I have a relationship, pretty important relationship in my life right now where i know that if we were able to talk about how we felt and that if i could just be heard and be validated and, and not that i'm right but be validated that i this is my truth and that they can see that that would be so healing for me but at right now i'm skirting <laughs> i'm afraid to have that conversation because it's a very um, intimidating figure in my life and that's saying something because I don't usually get too intimidated but um, it, it's living in me and I can feel it it sits in the back of my head when there's going to be interactions I it's at the forefront so are we really free if we don't speak that's I'm just that for me I know I'm not so I need to I need to like really uh dig deep here and see if I can have that conversation which already and again like Jen will probably curse me for this because I'm already projecting it as bad (laughs) so I'm already uh, I've lived this scenario a million times but I've never experienced it in my reality so the punishment is really mine I've lived this experience a million times and never been free of it yet so when do we say enough is enough and that I need to I need to be heard? At the very least, I need to be heard if not understood. I I had
0: the um so I read this one book and um something that was like really, really powerful about it was when you're if you are talking to someone who does inherently misunderstand you. So basically you've, maybe you've even made that effort to express yourself to them. And just every time you do, they're refusing. And I think like, I agree with you on the validation is not, I don't, it's for me, it's not to be right either. It's that I'm looking for the other person to say, I trust that your reality is true for you. Like, it's basically, I want them to just trust that my experience is real. And instead of going, well, it doesn't make sense that you feel that way, or you shouldn't feel that way or whatever. So I've been looking for like, Hey, this is my experience. And for them to go, Oh, wow. Okay. Like, tell me more about your experience instead of shutting it down right away. But that's me scripting for that other person. Like I'm basically wanting them to show up in a certain way for me that they have not agreed to, even though that's like what I believe, I believe they should be able to show up in that way. And so, um, anyways, there was this thing or this concept that was talking about, you change the goal of why you're expressing yourself. So for me, it was always like, I'm going to express myself so that you understand me and you understand where I'm coming from. And then you can hold space for my uh, like opinions and experience, but that is fruitless or has been. So I think now, the goal. Sorry, Jen, I'm just going to finish the thought and then I'll, I'll pass you over. Um, so now the goal is to have the goal of simply being brave enough to just speak my experience and validate myself. So it's like the goal becomes not now to be understood or not to have someone apologize or, or whatever, do anything. Instead, it just becomes, I have to just speak for the sake of speaking, or I have to just say like, Hey, That hurt my feelings. And again, old me would have been like, now you have the opportunity to be like, I'm sorry, I hurt your feelings, but they're not going to do that. So then you just go, but I only have the responsibility to myself to say, hey, that hurt my feelings. And then that's where my expectations end.
1: Yeah. The 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 true art of non-attachment, right? Is that even though we have this conversation, I may not get the resolve or the result that I want, but I will be heard and I can clear that of rattling around, I can take away any shame from my part. I can own that. I can account for that. If they can't hear that, that's on them at the end of the day. Cut that cord. Yes. So, I totally
2: agree. Yeah. What I do in like the like real worlds to kind of circle back to Mel's question from before is like for instance, I had a very uncomfortable conversation with somebody that is very close in my life yesterday. And I've known this conversation is coming for a long time. And so in the past, I would have been like worried or I would have been like, I just need to rip this bandaid off or I just need them to know exactly how I feel or why I feel the way I feel. And this time I've literally spent probably about four weeks now being intentional every single day of thinking about what I want the relationship to look like going forward in a positive way. And I knew that I would know when it was time to have the conversation and that I could come at it from a very vulnerable space instead of any validation required, if that makes sense. Like, I, of course, I would prefer her to see my side of it and to understand what I'm experiencing. But at the same time, that's not her damn life. So she's not going to. <laughs> And that's understandable. And until I could come to like a total peace with that, I did not have the conversation. And the universe protected me twice in not having the conversation when I was like, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Because this person's really important to me too. Like I really missed this person in my life. And then two times something happened that we couldn't get together. And I was like, nope, okay, I get it. I'm obviously not quite ready to have that conversation from like the most loving standpoint that I truly do want to because I can be a freaking hothead and I know I can be a hothead and I have worked really hard on not being a hothead.
1: Oh there's
2: a few times in my life that I have hurt people with my words because I am just Mm. like such a hothead. And so I try to be so intentional with it now, but it took a long time to be able to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Is it healed yet? Is it perfect now? Nope. There's still the
1: hothead. It, that's from being trespassed too many times. Right. And so that's, what's building, that's, what's building. And then it's like, poof, they had no idea it's coming because you've all. been it. like, us, we have been internalizing it this whole time. And at the, um, when I first started doing energy work, Um, and I I try to maintain this, I try to uh, hold this truth in my heart is that we are not responsible for other people's emotions. So in that, you know, that planning of how do I deliver this, a lot of that is prioritizing how someone else is going to feel over top of how you feel at the end of the day. And it's like, okay, well, I can't change their experience. I can't change their programming, but I can use my voice. I can change this experience and the, this internal chaos for myself.
2: And I think that's Still like scared the, of the person. most important piece though of just being able to be so, op- like there, it's such a fine line, right? Like, cause I think of like my hothead days where I would blow up and now then I like, wouldn't say anything. And I'd try to just like work through it all myself. And now trying to like figure out how can I still say what I believe in without being in a defensive way at all mm. so that this interaction doesn't get into it mm. offense of any sort. I could go on about this for hours.
0: Yeah. Did you know that if you, uh, there, I think I learned this as psychological or something, but it's a, it's a real thing. But if you actually practice saying sentences like out loud, like there's it's like a muscle memory type of thing. Um, the more you practice saying something out loud, the more comfortable you are saying it out loud. So if you do like preemptively find a few neutral statements that are non combative and non conflicting, but are still self assertive, practice saying them like every day or whatever. And then when the time comes up, you can do it. And a couple, I'll try to remember, uh, cause I have like a little mini list going right now, but one of my favorite ones is, Oh, that wasn't my experience. Mm-hmm. It's non-combative. It's non-defensive, but you're still being able to like stand and validate your own reality because someone on the other side might be trying to be like, this is what happened. And you can basically say, Oh, that wasn't my experience without, taking away from their
1: experience. Is that triggering <laughs> to me? That's triggering. Like I oh, would be cuz right away hearing, "Oh, that wasn't my experience." And it takes away from hearing mine. <laughs> so I'm triggered right away when you when you say if you that. You want to try I'm these like, out with us, Tanya? Oh we'll yeah, yeah Absolutely. Us. <laughs> well, well Jen, them, how did like how did you receive that? How like was it the same phrase? I was
2: trying to picture Tanya in a very loving voice saying it. <laughs> but then I was like but like, if there was any tension to start with, I would yeah. be weird as fuck from listening. <laughs> <laughs> because I'd be like, hmm. "Well, my
1: experience, which my hothead, yeah, my
2: hot that's it, makes you de- want to
1: defend your own experience."
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I go to isn't that interesting? I do that a lot <laughs> if I don't agree with somebody or like
1: isn't that interesting isn't
2: it interesting or like even if I just don't understand their experience I do say isn't that interesting because I've never thought of it as non-combative but I am trying to I do try to see other people's experiences and have compassion for where they're coming from and I think when you do like so much inner child work and stuff like
1: you can see like
2: oh I see where this might come from for you so I'm going to try to have more compassion for you in Mm -hmm. your situation where you are right now
1: or asking a question about it so if it wasn't your experience what 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 did I say that created that experience for you what what did I do how did I hold my body that created this experience for you um because and then saying, that wasn't my experience. That wasn't my, uh, that wasn't the energy I was putting into the conversation. Yeah. Tell us another one, Tanya. I yeah.
0: know oh, I'm scared too. I got real shut down on that one. <laughs> With, that what? was a really neutral. Like, you know, to... If someone's coming to you and telling you what you did, what you said, and that isn't what you did or what you said to just kind of say, oh, that wasn't my experience.
2: Uh, So to me, it actually does give them an opportunity
0: to to tell you more about it.
2: I would rather say somebody to say to me, that hurt me, what you did or what you said hurt me. I would be way more open and receptive to that, but that's just me.
0: Well, Mm -hmm. yeah, but they're not coming at you like that. They're coming at you saying you did this. You said this, this is what happened. So mm-hmm. then that was like, that's basically that specific response was in, in regards to gaslighting when someone's trying to basically undermine what you went through
2: yeah, and I mean, that
0: would be like, Oh, that wasn't my experience. So then you, you validated- I go back to, isn't that
2: interesting? Mm-hmm. Because
0: I literally yeah.
2: don't yeah. even want to engage with them at that point because they're coming mm-hmm. at me combative yeah, in a like aggressive way or defensive mm-hmm. way even. So then I like, i have if I did a shot for every time I've said, isn't that interesting or isn't that fascinating over the last two years? I You'd would be pickled. <laughs> all of the time. Oh. But it's because I do just want to take a step back and I don't want to engage in that because mm-hmm. I can see that there's heightened emotion. And from mm-hmm. that, rarely does anything good come. And I have to just like be able to take a step back and sit with my own self. And so it's like, well, isn't that interesting? And I will try not to I think that's an
1: awesome there. response <laughs> I think so too yeah I, I
0: think
2: hope so too. Knows, I know like super well listens to this podcast mm-hmm. and now is like oh my god she said that to me 500 times
1: <laughs> yeah I'm just gonna watch for that too now <laughs> yeah for me um my whole point like so wh- whoever we're talking to we have our own um we have our own protections our own defense mechanisms the things that we have moted around us and so if you are sharing that whether it is in a combative if that's your nature a combative a defensive uh, an attacking kind of way i think to hear um that someone is still not look at hearing your experience and saying well yeah that's not my experience would be very triggering i like for me i would i would feel like the child who was told, um, "Oh, that that didn't happen. You didn't see Sant- your dad as Santa Claus. That was Santa Claus." It's like that. You, you know, it makes you question your reality. For me, that would be, and that, that those are my old wounds. So that's that would be where I would be coming from. Is like, but I'm just trying to tell you, I just want you to know, I'm trying to share how my experience
2: was.
0: So you don't think that it actually creates like a separation to go, Oh, that like I'm hearing your experience and that wasn't my experience. Basically being like, we had two different experiences in that moment. That's how I hear it. It's just basically going like, yeah, you did have your experience and I did not experience the same thing.
2: Mm -hmm. I think it's tough to like have at the end of a conversation. I think if we can start a conversation from that place where there isn't defensiveness, then it's totally Mm -hmm. a different situation.
1: Sharing experiences.
2: Yeah. I I don't think it's wrong to say I experienced this as hurtful or I experienced this, Mm -hmm. whatever it was. Because I feel like usually there would be like a negative quote unquote feeling with that or something that felt heavy. But I, I just don't see that being beneficial in my life at the end of a conversation because the emotions are already heightened and so Mm. I would like yeah that's where I would use the isn't it interesting and then I would come back and be like I experienced this and lots of times yeah I my new favorite thing you guys is voice journaling it's the fucking bomb Mm. I made it up last week when I was walking (laughs) and I wanted to like I was like coming to like I always like try to dig deeper and dig deeper, but I was walking and I didn't actually want to stop walking and go home to journal. Mm -hmm. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it in my voice notes and voice to text so I can see it. It is the fastest way to journal. You guys, you can get so much deeper and I think it activates your throat chakra. So I could get out Mm. anger so quickly or disappointment so quickly and then be able to shift through it so fast. I'm just like, this Mm. is the cat's ass. I'm doing this from now on. I'm never writing another word in my journal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's something too, Jen, to, to touch on is if you do have a relationship with someone where you can say, let's go for a walk if you are moving, the body is processing these emotions and being able to exert the energy somewhere. And so that's, I think what I always get those downloads too, while I'm walking and I've tried the voice notes, but it doesn't look like what I said at the end. (laughs) I'm deeply disappointed, but um, with the boys, when they were young, we used to walk if there was a problem, because then you have their full attention. And it's like, there's something productive happening. There's that underlying something is happening. We're, we're getting somewhere is is sent to the subconscious
2: yeah i think that is huge but with the voice journaling it doesn't have to look like anything because you can i think we think before we write and so Mm -hmm. we're like "Mm," you know like our subconscious goes through of like oh that's not very nice you should reword that in a different way or you should be like all of these things come so quickly without Mm -hmm. us even recognizing Whereas when we're just voicing, noting, and completely dumping every single thing and no judgment on it, it was like, oh, yeah. like I got anger Powerful. there to work through. <laughs> okay, thank you very much for putting that out to me. That I can realize now how angry I was at this wow. situation.
1: That's a really good idea.
2: It's like my
1: name. Well, we're we gonna wrap. Yeah. I think it's funny because
0: we started this with like cord cutting and did not talk about cord cutting. People were probably like, how do you do a cord cord cutting cutting. ritual? Yeah. (laughs) Long story short. Well, we could quickly,
1: let's do, let's have that Um, quickly. So for me, I know Tanya is an, I don't know if you still do that Tanya, but you had quite a visual last season. Um, For me, I just see myself as separate. I see myself as Whatever is happening internally, I can transmute and make peaceful with my mind. And then as soon as I make peace inside myself, it's like all chords just fall away. So it, for me, it's an internal um, uh, vow to, for peace. Is If I can write it out or if I can say how I feel, um, I started creating uh, a dear so-and-so to this person who is... Um, probably one of my most challenging conversations in my life that I'll ever have so I started a diary to them and that was cathartic and reading it out loud was cathartic um so that I do more of a um cord cutting in that way not really working with angels or anything
2: I think if you listen back to this episode we did actually talk about it just not in a like specific way because like for me Mm -hmm. the journaling piece the voice noting to myself yeah yeah is yeah cord
1: cutting in different ways
2: that's how I do it like I have Mm -hmm. to get into nature if I have any I don't call it cord cutting either and we talked about that last season a little bit Uh, but if I feel like there's anything heavy on my heart in any capacity that has anything to do with any speaking about it
0: I can't remember the last time I did a formal cord cutting meditation either, but I have done release letters, which are probably one of my favorite techniques, which is basically I write a letter, um, and seal it with like, kind of like love and light, high is good. Oops, that kind of thing. And then, um, burn it. Yeah. And that's something I kind of feel like, like, I don't know, this is just a theory, but again, we like, uh, I don't know if, uh, And this might be even just a personal person to person sort of thing, but I don't know that I feel it's truly possible to cut ties with any human being that you've been in contact with, especially if it's in an intimate way. And instead, I think the responsibility becomes to keep the ties clean on your end Mm -hmm. so that those connections will always be there in some way. And your job is to keep your space and your kind of like end or connection point Clean. So if it's unclean, then it's going to be festering in some way. And so it's more, I guess that's how I would more see that.
2: I go to the river to do that. I didn't even realize I did that. Thank you, Tanya, because I wash the energy as I watch the river flow. Mm. And I like, I knew I did it. I knew I connected with it, but I didn't realize how unintentional it is that I will literally go to the river anytime there's like any heavy in a relationship and I will just wash Mm -hmm. and I will just wash and I just picture it all flowing
1: it's amazing too for perspective right for nature is like wow I'm having this really intense really charged experience right now but I'm currently the only one experiencing this in like that I know of right now that this world isn't experiencing it this is me experiencing it and look at how big everything else is and and how um connected we all are that my experience is is passing it is this too shall pass um bridging into offerings I don't know Tanya if you are gonna offer your mini shadow workshop but I'm gonna promote my uh, big shadow workshop so it's a four-hour workshop that's called Dear Shadow. And if you have anything to make amends with if you're in your past, anything that there is shame or still charges around um this workshop is going to help you release that everybody should just do piece. it
2: let's just be honest yeah everybody has yeah. shadows like even when i'm doing with <laughs> yeah. clients all we do is shadow work to do with my yeah it comes into every single area it really of
1: does. Life. <laughs> and, it, and it's so good to do it in group work because it's mirrored back and um, this is going to be an extremely vulnerable, extremely safe container um, supported and facilitated by me as, as I'm right in the trenches with you doing the work, but uh, with the ability to level up and see the, the macro picture instead of the micro. Oh. So it's called Dear Shadow if you want to join me. And it's on November 13th. Love it. You is can find up, um, info on my Instagram.
2: What did you say, Tanya, sir?
0: Uh sorry I cut I didn't mean to cut Mel off I thought it was um anyways um nope, I'm good <laughs> Do you have anything in of your offering right
2: now I I launched Money 2.0 yesterday which is like, just going to be like my biggest program ever. And it's been very fascinating journey. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just like, just, I just my biggest like chunk down into like different programs over the last six weeks. And I'm like, no, it's just going to be a massive fucking program. And it's going to be with everything to do with manifesting and money that I've ever any knowledge I have will go into that program, into the program, into the program. So. That's what I'm up to. What do you and to? when
0: you say you started it yesterday, does that mean like I can't register for it now? Like it's oh it's no, going? it's
2: fully. It'll be open for like. It closes when it closes. I just know when it closes, but <laughs> it'll be open for a while. Okay. good, good.
0: <laughs> I don't really have anything. I'm teaching a. That's a great
1: course. question, Tanya. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, currently I think I have on October 31st, I have a workshop coming up called, um, intuitive connection. So it's basically for anyone that is looking to develop their intuition or has any doubts about operating or accessing their intuition. And it's about an hour and a half long. It's pretty brief and Mm -hmm. just gets you a lot more faith in that connection and how to use it in a way that helps you navigate your life more easily
2: and that's the 31st
0: that's the 31st because what better day to do that
2: i know i think yeah that's cool, actually Absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah the veil is so thin all, all
0: right, right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Spiritual Boss. We appreciate you listening. Please uh, subscribe, share this podcast. If you're on Apple, um, if you want to write a review, it does help to boost us in their algorithm and more people can find us. Um, but any and all shares um, help. So thank you. Thanks for sending us emails and messages because we love to talk about things that you guys want to talk about. You can reach us at spiritualbosspodcast at gmail.com or we're on Instagram at the Spiritual Boss podcast and of course you
1: can find us individually as well peace in peace out